0: If you'd like to submit a question or a topic for me to discuss, send it in to podcast at ChristinaRiceWellness.com. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating and a review on iTunes, and join the Facebook group, Wellness Wellness Podcast Tribe. Happy 2019! I cannot believe it's already 2019. I hope everyone had a great New Year's. Good time on New Year's Eve. Good time on New Year's Day. I mean, now the, quote, holidays are officially over, so that can be a little sad. But the good news is this is the first podcast of 2019, and it's an awesome conversation and just the first of many amazing podcast episodes to come your way this year. Hopefully many episodes that will improve your life, give you some helpful information, some interesting things to think about, new perspectives to ponder, just so many new things. And speaking of new things, if you have not tried clear stem skincare yet, I think that this is the year you need to get your hands on a bottle because this stuff might just change your life. Many of you have actually told me that it has. I've had people tell me how much it's completely transformed their skin. A lot of people have also told me how it's changed their family member's skin. This product is so... Versatile, and I don't know a single person who wouldn't benefit from it. Both men and women love it. If you are younger, struggling with acne, or older, and looking for anti aging benefits, then this product is for you. It is an anti acne meets anti aging skincare serum. It's a really lightweight serum that you can put. Under makeup or other skin products, it soaks right in and actually leaves your skin feeling a bit more hydrated without leaving it oily or without any thick, heavy residue. Like I mentioned, it will seriously just soak right in and you can put anything else you want right on top. This product is obviously non-toxic because I'm all about non-toxic safe skincare, and the founders, Kaylee and Danielle, have done a lot of research and work to make sure that all of the ingredients in here are particularly effective at improving the look and feel of your skin. There are so many benefits using Clear Stem. It helps to calm your skin down and calm down any inflamed breakouts. It will help to reduce redness and inflammation in the skin. It has antibacterial properties. It can help skin heal faster. It also stimulates collagen, brightens your skin. It will even out any discoloration. Like I mentioned, it will increase hydration in the skin and it actually will help to block excess oil production and androgens. So while it's hydrating, it also long-term helps to reduce any unnecessary extra oil production from the skin. It actually contains adaptogens for the skin that will help to balance out the hormones in your skin and pore. And it contains bioavailable collagen stem cells, which will help your skin in a number of ways. First of all, this really helps any active acne or scabs heal about three times faster. Dark spots will fade a lot more quickly. It supports the production of new, healthier skin cells, which is key for those anti-aging benefits. So if you have fine lines or wrinkles or, like I mentioned, dark spots, red marks, any hyperpigmentation or scarring. This will really, really help to fill those spots in, even out the skin, get new skin cells turned over. It is a miracle worker. I have seen this really, really help to reduce and even remove some of my scarring and red marks and also really helps to keep the acne Away or get rid of it if I do ever break out if I eat something that inflames my skin or any of that This helps my skin heal so much faster and it also is great for Sunburns or even scars in other parts of your body. I've used it on a scar on my knee And it makes my skin so soft the next day every time I use this which is every evening I wake up my skin is so noticeably soft And if I don't use it, I notice that my skin starts to not look as great. You can head to their website to read their full list of ingredients and also get a hold of their list of pore clogging ingredients, which is there just for your info. If you are breaking out or you have clogged pores and you can't figure out why, I would look at the ingredients in the products that you use on your skin including skincare and makeup and then compare that to this list because one of those products might be the culprit remember just because something is labeled natural or organic does not mean it is good for your skin so check out that list as well it's at clearstemskincare.com which is also where you can check out this product you can also use my discount code wellness for 15 dollars off that's w-e-l-l-n-e-s-s for $15 off of clear stem i've given this to so many people as a gift slash recommended it to so many people and everybody tells me that it totally transformed their skin I love that it's so effective for people who are younger and maybe going through puberty and their acne is acting up, or if you're in your teens or an adult and you're still struggling with acne, but also people who are older and even if you don't have acne, but you just want to improve the appearance of your skin and prevent or reverse the signs of aging. That's why this product is seriously so versatile and you can pair it with the skincare you already use because it can just go nicely under other products. And I really think this product is just so effective because it combines science from Western medicine in terms of which ingredients are very, very effective and potent, combines all of that research with the most effective practices from Eastern medicine. So you have the best of both worlds and together they have created an insanely amazing product. This is something I use every single day. I use it every night and about every other morning or so and I love it. So again, go to clearstemskincare.com to check it out and you can use my discount code wellness for $15 off. I'm so excited for you guys to try that and of course, let me know what your results were afterwards. I love hearing your testimonials. But something else I'm really excited for is for you to hear this conversation with my dear friend, Michelle Hoover. I'm sure many of you are familiar with Michelle. She is the creator of unboundwellness.com, which is an incredible website and blog. She has some of the most amazing recipes I've ever come across. She is so creative. I don't even know how she does it. Such an incredible businesswoman. She also has some amazing blog posts with information about health and nutrition. She is a nutritional therapy practitioner like me, and if you guys listen to Straight Up Paleo, my other podcast, which has since stopped, but the episodes are still up and available. If you listen to that podcast, which I know many of you did, she was a guest on that podcast, and we talked more about her journey with Hashimoto's And since she had been on Straight Up Paleo, I didn't have her on this podcast right after, but had kind of always been looking for an excuse to bring her on. But recently, she has been sharing more about um, her recent diagnosis with obsessive compulsive disorder. And you guys know I'm a huge advocate for mental health awareness, and I really want to eliminate the stigma around these different issues and Michelle is being so open about her experience with this and so I really wanted to have her on to chat more about OCD and just open up the conversation around it and I really appreciated that she was so open and willing to come on here and talk about something she is currently going through and just more of a recent diagnosis because I mean I know how difficult it can be to talk about something kind of at the beginning-ish slash in the middle of something Um, just because publicly, you know, people will just give you all of their input and it it becomes very overwhelming. Um, So she's sharing her journey just to Kind of share her experience, let other people know they're not alone. She's made incredible progress with the help of her doctor, which she'll talk more about. And I just think that this is a really important conversation to be had. Whether or not you struggle with any type of mental health issue or know somebody who does, honestly, the truth is you probably do know somebody who does, even if you don't know that. Just because they're is has there's been such a rise in different mental health issues throughout the year so i just really wanted to open up this conversation and michelle was the perfect person to have on she is a dear friend of mine she's an incredible person and has so much to offer this world so i was just really really happy she came on you can find more from her at unboundwellness.com. check out all of her recipes her blog she has a blog post all about her journey with OCD, and I will link to that in the show notes. She also has an awesome AIP ebook. She is the woman to go to if you need some delicious AIP recipes or just any recipes. She loves to paleo comfort foods, which I seriously love. She's just a creative genius and And like I mentioned, an amazing human, and I really admire the way she has been navigating this new diagnosis, a new part of her health journey, and I think she is helping so many people, and I just love that. I am really excited for you to hear this, and very grateful for Michelle, so let's just go ahead and hop right into this conversation with the one and only Michelle Hoover. What do you think about Primal Kitchen getting acquired by Heinz? It's
1: craft, right?
0: Uh yeah. Kraft, Heinz, whatever. <laughs>
1: Nobody's asked me this yet. I don't know if I've fully formed an opinion. I better have to come up with either. one pretty quick. I think there's good and bad to it, you know? It's good because it's like, oh, that means that there's a lot of demand and that means that they'll be able to be in more you know, be more accessible, but it's also Like, oh, but what if they lose quality? So I feel like it's – that's what I kind of always think every time I hear about somebody being acquired somewhere.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's making people nervous, but also – Yeah. But it's also part of a brand growing and also, like, business. And I don't think Mark wants to be, like – I think he wants to retire soon. Like, and, like, kind of back out of things. Um. And he actually came into the Primal Health Coach Institute Facebook forum and was, like, addressed everybody's concerns. And he's like, "That's great. Um, this is a way to get healthier products into way more people's hands. going to show up in way more grocery stores. And, like, I'm exactly. going to be in there and making sure that, you know, quality matters. Like, we made this deal talking to them saying, I want to make sure, like, we're maintaining our quality standards. Like, and the citizens are so – they have such integrity, you know, so – I'm sure, yeah. Um, but it, yeah, I th- feel like that was the big paleo news this week.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I had the same conversation kind of with my husband, but I feel like we agree that yeah, it's it just, just it just makes people nervous. Yeah, I, yeah, I get it, I get it.
0: But then it's like sm- it's hard. I don't know. It's hard because smaller brands can't get the exposure or the reach that they need to. And, but then when when Brands get picked up by bigger companies and people get upset. And it's like, you know, there's got to be one way or the other. But, anyways, Michelle, (laughs) how about you tell the audience a bit about yourself? Because you actually haven't been on this podcast before. No, I haven't. Yeah, you were on Straight Up Paleo. Yeah, but this is your first time on. And I always wanted to have you on Wellness Realness, but I was like, well, you just were on Straight Up Paleo. So, It got confusing with two podcasts. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So,
1: and I feel like then a lot of what, like whenever I went on a podcast, I was talking about like my, my story of how I got into this whole industry and my chronic health story. And it was, I mean, that's still a huge part of my life. I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's disease and you can go back to the straight up paleo archives. And if you want to hear all about that, you can hear my story on that. And uh, that was a huge part of my life. And it's still a huge part of my life having autoimmune disease. And uh, it it drives a lot of what I do every single day. Since I'm a blogger, I create AIP recipes and content. So that's a huge part of my life. But uh, yeah, recently, things have shifted a little bit more. And that's why we're here talking about mental health mm-hmm. today. So, but yeah, do you, is that a good enough explanation of who I am?
0: Yeah. You, oh, well, so you are the creator of unboundwellness.com,
1: right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Michelle,
0: unboundwellness.com. Yeah. Nutritional therapy practitioner, Dallas liver. <laughs> I was going to say Dallas. Are you, are you considered Dallas native? is
1: that no. no right no so no i'm like uh i'm from new york originally so i live in dallas now with my husband but yeah my life basically consists of making lots of recipes this year i've been able even since i was on straight up paleo i've been able to transition to doing that full time i got into this industry Industry that sounds so oh, yeah. <laughs> formal, but I got into this career profession doing both blogging and nutritional therapy coaching, and things have just kind of shifted. Um, you know, my passion just continues to grow more and more for creating mm-hmm. fun food and creating recipes, and I just found my voice through there a lot. So that's the main way that I connect with people and you know, we need both out there. We need people who are working one-on-one with people as nutritional therapy practitioners and people who can just say like, Hey, here's a cookie recipe. So
0: yeah. that's who I am. <laughs> no, exactly. And I think, um, I mean watching your business evolve has been super interesting and like, I think inspiring and I love what you've done. And I think a lot of us kind of reach a point where it's like, I don't know, you can't help as many people when you're working one on one all the time as you could maybe in other ways. Like, I know you have like, big plans of like bigger ways to help more people at once.
1: For um, sure. Yeah. And like, my dad is a business owner. My, I come from a family of business owners. And you know, I'm, I'm talking about, um, you know, I have other big things coming. And 2019 and I'm just thinking about, you know, different like maybe I can start writing about this, maybe I can start sharing about this and my dad is like, yeah, like you're just constantly reinventing yourself all throughout your life. Like if you're just staying the same every single day forever and ever, you're not able to grow. So it's and even in like being interviewed on podcasts, it's going to be interesting to be able to go back and listen to something like straight up paleo and like what my mindset was like on health and healing at that point. And then even just not even a year later, having this completely new diagnosis mm-hmm. that is really just my life is the same, but it's different and so much better. Like There's so much more awareness. So we're constantly reinventing ourselves in business in health and all of that. And that's a good thing. So.
0: Yeah, I love that you're saying that because it's so funny, especially in this industry, people are always like, you know, pick, pick your thing and stick with that forever. Yeah. And I get no, that. No. I get that to an extent, but also no. when I was actually talking to somebody recently, like, I have my next like, 10 things laid out. I'm like, this is what I'm doing for the next literally 10 years like that I'm working yeah. on. And it's all like kind of different things. And they're like, you're like all over the place. And I'm like, so like, you know, <laughs> I I don't know. I I agree. I think that it is a sign of growth. Like, we're just nailing the same thing over and over again. I don't know. People lose interest. Um, But let's talk more about this new diagnosis. Um, You know, recently you were on your stories sharing more about kind of getting diagnosed with OCD. And I know, like, I mean, kind of for months you've been... I actually, at this point, don't even remember um, if it was yeah, it's, public it's, or, like, between us talking. But I know things have been kind of, like, you've been kind of working through this for a while. Like, yeah. getting, like, leading up to it. Um, and then mm-hmm. you were talking about it more in your stories. And I, like, I messaged you and I was like, I would love to have you talk about this on a podcast. Just because, you know, I'm so passionate about mental health, too. Um, and I think that this is a topic that people don't talk about right and like there's a lot more people now opening up about like anxiety depression um but not that many people are talk about ocd from like where i'm standing um so i kind of just wanted to get get you on here to talk more about your experience and um getting this diagnosis so i mean you did you know that you had ocd
1: no, not at all. So I, well, I, before I start really getting in everything, I just want just to ask for some grace that mm-hmm. this is my, um, this is like a newer diagnosis for me. This is not something like Hashimoto's where I've, you know, sat with it for years and really worked through a lot of things. So if anything that I say comes off as sounding ignorant or just not correct. I just Mm -hmm. asked for grace there. I'm still learning. And it's just really important that this is all my story, like my journey with OCD and everybody's journey with mental health, mental illness looks so different. So if something that I say about my own experiences and my own understanding doesn't really line up with your own or somebody that, you know, um, that's just yeah, that's just something I wanted to put out there that it's like, this is not everybody with OCD is like exactly like this. This is just kind of how I am. But that's what makes it so hard to understand. And mm-hmm. that is why I had no idea. So w- I've had some form of what I was always calling anxiety my whole life. Um, when I was a kid, I was just, I had a lot of fears and like patterns and habits. So I would be really afraid that I was going to get sick and I would just ask my parents all the time like look at my throat like does it look like I'm getting strapped does it look like I'm getting strapped like trying to look in my ear like am I getting an ear infection and things like that so I was always really anxious um I had varying degrees of like social anxiety and it's this is something I'm still understanding a lot more because I think that social anxiety is one of those things that's hard to understand because with some people, like I could be in a room sometimes with people and just be like, this is happy, fun and fine. And then other times it's like, I'm in this room of people and it's like, I exhale and all of a sudden feel like a room of like a hundred people is looking at me thinking about how much they hate me, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, so it's like, I always had something like that Um, it really started getting worse as I, and I went to therapy, like I was going to therapy as a kid, um, you know, trying to hit, hit something, but I never got any diagnosis. It was always just very anecdotal kind of stuff of here's how to not fight with your brother, you know, (laughs) stuff like that. Um, I never really got anything. I was exhibiting a lot of signs looking back, but I Nothing really came to a head, and I went back to therapy, and I got a lot closer to, oh, like hopefully getting a diagnosis. Um, when I was in college, I was I had terrible anxiety around driving and certain habits. So if I were to drive across town it was or across the Metroplex uh in Dallas like it's huge so if I were to drive from one side of the Metroplex to the other like it would take me twice as long as anybody else because if I had seen um like a car accident or on a certain road or if I had once like almost gotten in a car accident on a certain road like I was avoiding that road and I was always like, I have to drive on this side of the road when I'm here. I have to drive on that side of the road when it's there. Like I had all of these weird patterns because I was like, okay, I'm going to get a get in the car accident and something bad is going to happen if I don't do this. And to me, that was anxiety. That's what I thought that that was. Um, I didn't think there was much I could do about it. I thought that's just what was happening. And I was in college and I was picking my mom up from the airport and she saw me driving just like really, weird patterns. And she saw me like, I was just wiping my hands off on my shirt. Like I was just sweating so much, just driving to the airport. And she was like, holy crap. Like, is this what it's like every day in your life? I'm like, yeah, this is, and everywhere it's in so many different places, this anxiety. And so I went to, um, a doctor, I hold her, you know, the, I went to a therapist, I told her these things. Um, and she, and I described it at the time as anxiety. It was like, I have anxiety, I have anxiety, kind of just like labeling myself this way because I didn't know what else to call it. And I am a big fan of giving doctors and therapists and everybody around us grace. Um, but I do regret that that therapist did not dig deeper and just kind of like took my word for it that it's like okay you have anxiety now here is she gave me clonopin which is an anxiety pill and you know I go straight from that doctor's office she was like okay like here's, here's a pill and like you're going to be fine and that was nowhere near addressing the root of the problem so things things went up and down um anxiety mental illness health is so it's all into any sort of health issues you're always on a spectrum things are going to be good and they're going to be bad um and recently I feel like a lot of my awareness um had started to come come when I married my husband and my patterns and like my habits are like, my mom didn't really even see it until she was like in the car with me. And that's like my mom. So a lot of it is so internalized and that's a huge thing with mental illness is like, well, I didn't see that this person was depressed. I didn't know that they had depression. It's like, yeah, you don't see it. So when I started, when my husband and I got married and we, uh, you know, were living together, he started seeing all of these things in me that, I mean, he never really said anything about it because I don't think that he knew either. But just having somebody witness the things I was doing all of a sudden put this awareness on me of like, oh, my gosh, like, what am I doing? And you don't always know why there's a flare. So I can't necessarily say like why things got worse within the past year or so. But they did. Um, Within the past year, I probably had about three different panic attacks which are terrible. Panic attacks are not fun, and um, I started picking up these habits that were that I always had in some sort of way, but they were just getting worse and worse and worse. So, one of my like fears, which I always thought was anxiety, was I was always afraid that I'm gonna like the house is gonna burn down and it's gonna be my fault. Somebody's gonna break in or it's and it's gonna be my fault. So I got really, really it, like I was just constantly checking locks I was constantly checking the the oven the stove the dryer like is there lint in it like every time or I would be checking the floor in my kitchen of is there a piece of glass and is the cat going to eat it while I'm asleep and I'm going to wake up and he's going to die and it's going to be my fault so I would be literally like combing the floor for glass before I would go to sleep or before I would leave the house and I thought that these were normal things just because I had always done them. But again, that awareness started to come up. And I remember, uh, there was one particular moment where I was telling my husband like, okay, like let's leave, let's go to church or wherever it was that we were going. And he, he was in his office like, okay, like, let me know when you're ready. And I was like, like, what does he mean? Like me saying this means that I'm ready. And then I walk into the hallway, you know, and like, in the there's the hallway. And then like to the left, there's our kitchen where it's like all of these things that it's like, I need to check. Right. And I was like, no, I don't need to check. Like, I'm just going to turn to the door and I'm just going to walk out. And then all of a sudden, like I'm standing there and there's just like, I wanted to, I almost went into like a panic attack right there, like thinking about not doing that. And I was like, "I, I have to do it. And it was getting to the point where I was taking pictures of the door. I would take videos of myself like jingling the door handle before I could go on vacation or leave the house. Um, And so that was, and again, I was just thinking, I'm like, this is anxiety. This is anxiety. But I knew that I needed to go to a therapist. I knew that it was not good. I knew that this was really, really distressing. I felt like there were days where I could not leave the house. I would go to bed and wake and have these dreams of like the door being wide open or like the kitchen being like engulfed in flames. And, like I would have to get up at two o'clock in the morning and like look at the door be like, is it wide open? Like, no, it's not. But those are the tricks that your mind plays on you and you know that it's irrational, but that's, that's what makes it, you know, something that needs to be addressed. So I, I told my husband, I need to go see a therapist. He was supportive of that. He's like, okay, like let's find somebody, like let me know what you need. To me, to help you with, and I kept looking for therapists in Dallas that specialized in anxiety. And I was like, "This just doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel right." I kept putting it off, and this is so crazy story of how it <laughs> just dumb. How I eventually came to this realization of what I was dealing with, you know the uh, the the pole I mean I guess it's the the questions function on Instagram stories. Mm-hmm. One time I I went in went in there and I was I talked about something and people gave me like these really funny fun answers and I was like that was fun like I should I should do that again like that'd be fun. And I was just thinking like I want to go on Instagram stories and ask people like if you were in an episode of MTV True Life like what would it be? Like that'd be fun, right? Like I'd get like funny responses and I'd say like I was on, I'd be on like MTV true life. Like I love cats and you know, just stupid junk. Mm -hmm. And then I'm (laughs) just thinking about that show. And then I was like, what? I watched a lot of that show when I was in high school for whatever. That's like just what was always on when I came home from school. And I was like, what episode of that show? Like, what did, what did I like? Like, what did I relate to? And then I just have like this flashbulb memory of watching, the episode on like true life, I have obsessive compulsive disorder. And I was like, holy crap. Like, I think that's what could be like, what I'm experiencing. And I went on YouTube and I looked up, you know, like obsessive compulsive disorder. And like, I watched all these videos that were like, oh my gosh, like this is me. And it was just crazy to all of a sudden have this, like, oh my gosh, like, I need to, like, I did not want to self diagnose myself. But I was like, I, I am feeling like I want to talk to somebody about this. So I googled you know, Dallas obsessive compulsive disorder and I found a therapist and I went there and he was like, you know, I appreciate you not wanting to self-diagnose yourself. And I'm happy that you came here and did all this. He's like, but yeah, you're right. Like this is definitely OCD. And I did a, uh, just kind of like an assessment to figure out where I fell on the spectrum and I was kind of like intermediate in the spectrum. So it's like, it was affecting my everyday life, but it was not at the point where I needed, um, any like medication or like inpatient treatment I was doing. In the beginning I was doing therapy like every other week and I was doing treatment that way. Um, now I'm doing it about once every three, four weeks. So I'm still going to therapy. Um, things are so vastly different than from when I first started going, but, I think just it's hard to talk about like these are all of the things that I went through um and I mean for like people to really for me to hear like anybody else with OCD and like hear like their triggers and their obsessions and their compulsions and be like oh like how much does that really affect your life like is like how hard is that it's hard to hear that and but Uh, So the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, I heard this crazy statistic that, not statistic, it's a, I don't know, (laughs) this thing that they rank obsessive compulsive disorder in the top 10 most debilitating illnesses. And like that's in there with like MS, um, ALS, like these physically debilitating illnesses that are really hard to live with, like they're putting diseases like obsessive compulsive disorder in there so it is like that it is really that just level of debilitating so yeah that's that's kind of my story of yeah not really knowing and then coming to you know
0: wow okay there's a lot in there and I just want (laughs) to say no I just wanted to say thank you though for like sharing that and I know it's kind of hard it can be hard to relay all of that especially thinking about you know, growing up that way. Um, so I know it's a lot for you, especially because it's so fresh. Um, yeah. So I just wanted to say thank you for sharing that. But, God, I have a few questions. First of all, yeah. the thing about the, the true life is so interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, I used to love that show, too. That was on. I used to watch it after school. But it's interesting because a lot of times when people are portraying OCD – Mm-hmm. There is like a specific trope and we think of extremes, oh, yeah. right? And even like yep. like I was a psychology major and like I took a class all about um you know like like when we studied OCD for instance, it's like we're looking at people who are like they have a very specific obsession or compulsion. And they are like, "I'm looking at somebody who has to um tap themselves fifty times or has to wash yeah. their hands thirty seven times or like yeah. very specific things like just straighten things, yeah, exactly. organize
1: organize is what I always thought,
0: mm-hmm, yeah, and it's interesting hearing like your your story because it's not like you had like a okay, I need to use hand sanitizer fifty three times, yeah, no, you know, yeah, and yes. It's also interesting because, honestly, I'm just self-reflecting right now, and, like, I'm very... And also, I just want to say for people, it's really important, like, what Michelle's saying, how she didn't want to, like, self-diagnose. And, like, you know, when I think a lot of us, especially in this space, tend to do this, whether it be mental health or, like, even physical, like what's going on with like autoimmune diseases and gut issues, like everybody, you know, cause we're, we're trying to figure it out. Um, but it is important to not just like assume you have something, um, and then run with
1: your own, yeah. your own plan on how to address it because I never it, because that was the problem is that I was assuming for so long, I was like, I have anxiety, I have anxiety, I have anxiety and it's, I mean, that's why it's so important to be your own health advocate, to go to the doctor with like an idea Mm -hmm. of like, hey, I'm experiencing this. Like, let me, you know, I I think it's anxiety or I think it's OCD. So it's important to know yourself, to do research. But... You know, if you just decide that you have one thing Mm -hmm. and I I went to the doctor one time when I was like a teenager and I went and like I had hormonal issues and I googled one thing and I was like I have low testosterone and I like went to the doctor I'm like 18 like begging for them to put me on testosterone cream and and I'm like thankfully you know and they're like uh you know if we just like self-diagnose and say like okay well this is what I have then we're closing ourselves off to figure out like okay is there something else and I was really lucky that you know I had a therapist that was willing to explore OCD and other things you know know, he looked into, he didn't just say like, okay, OCD, yes, like you said, bye, mm-hmm. like we looked into generalized anxiety, we looked into depression, um, and, you know, those are all things that could kind of be related, and he was like, no, like, th- like, we are going to look at a spectrum, or we're going to find where you are on the spectrum, rather than like the other therapist I went to, of like, okay, this is what I have, and she was just like, okay, so it's like, if you go in a little bit more open-minded, then you can hopefully, um, you know, find somebody to give you a little bit more of an informed diagnosis. And um, what you were saying about, you know, how we think about OCD, I think it's such, I think it's important to kind of define what it actually means. I've, de- when I wrote my blog post about this, a lot of people were coming to me and saying, like, wow, I didn't even really know the definition, or like, you really um, opened my eyes to looking past like the hollywood tropes of what ocd is um so what obsessive compulsive disorder actually is and these are the things that make it so debilitating is it is defined by some sort of intrusive thought so it's some thought that you do not want to be having like somebody's going to break into my house or i'm going to get really sick or i'm going to say something in front of this group of friends and they're not going to like me anymore or my house is going to burn down, like some sort of intrusive thought that can be on any spectrum from some people have, you know, OCD to where they're afraid that they're going to hurt people or, you know, cheat on their spouse. Like it's this huge spectrum of like any sort of intrusive thought that you don't want to be having. Um, So that's kind of like the obsession. And then you can have OCD to where it's just like, Oh, OCD, like, it's just the obsession and not the compulsion. But a lot of people have the compulsion as well that so you have the intrusive thought, and then you have the compulsion to try to kind of just like quiet the intrusive thought. So Hey, I think my house is going to burn down. I'm going to keep checking, checking, checking the oven a million times until like, I feel like I can finally go to bed or finally leave the house. But the problem is the more that you feed into that, the more that you give into those compulsions and like they continue to grow. So it's like, I'd walk out of the house and I'd still want to like, just turn around and keep doing it over and over and over again. Or I would go out and, uh, you know, if I were at a restaurant with like a, candle on the table or something like that, then I'd get really upset about that. Like, what if I knock it over? And every, you know, there's just a grease spot. I don't know. Um, it's, it doesn't stop with just like, this is the one thing that I have, it continues to grow. And that's, what's hard about treatment as well. And I mean, this is, it's, there's so much parallels to this and, um, any sort of chronic illness is that, you know, we spend so much time trying to treat the symptoms, but not the root cause. And OCD is very much like that to where it's like, there's a million different symptoms that you could have of different intrusive thoughts and compulsions that you have, but you kind of have to get back to the root of like, this is how I am. This is how my brain is wired. Like people with mental illness, like their brain is wired differently. It's not like they're choosing to be depressed or they're choosing to have schizophrenia. Like they're not like choosing to have these thoughts, like their brain is wired differently, just like somebody with Hashimoto's, their body is doing something differently. So you kind of have to get back to retraining your brain.
0: Okay, God, I have a lot of things. Okay, well, it's just like interesting to me. I know, it's ha- just so kind much. of circling back to, I mean, You probably wouldn't have gotten diagnosed with this had you not, like, put it together kind of for yourself and then gone to somebody, like, with the intention of, like, do I have this? Which I think is um, an experience that a lot of people have, whether it be with mental illness or any type of chronic illness or I know with me with, like, my gut issues. I was, like, you need to check me for this. Like, and I think, I don't know, it's kind of scary how it's, like, unless you... On one, at, on one side of the spectrum, we don't want to be all, like, paranoid about all these things we could have. But on the other side, like, a lot of people go undiagnosed unless they already have some some ideas in their head about what they might be dealing with. Um, For sure. Which is kind of scary. And it's, it's really interesting to me because I'm reflecting on, like, me when I was younger. And I'm wondering if I had gone to a therapist when I was younger, if I would have been diagnosed with something similar because, like, I had this intense fear of fire and I didn't sleep for, like, years because every night I thought that if I closed my eyes, the house was going to burn down. And, like, I, when I was around any type of fire, I would get, like, severely... Like, it, like fire, like like, the fear of fire consumed my life and it was, like, weird things yeah. like that. And I had a lot of things with patterns. Like I could only walk certain ways I would skip certain steps like if I if I went somewhere and I did the wrong I did it the wrong way I'd have to go back and restart and like mm-hmm. when I was younger it, my parents just thought it was so annoying and then it's interesting now like I see I think it's just interesting trying to reflect on and this is why you have to go to a professional because now it's like where is the line between just like being paranoid like my dad okay exactly my yeah. dad he annoys the hell out of everyone in my family because he cannot leave the house without checking the door like eight or nine times. Like like we'll be in the car and he's like, I have to check to make sure I locked it again. And we're like, you checked it five times already. Like, and he does things like that. He checks all the doors, all the windows. He will leave. I've been home where he will leave and then come back. Like he'll drive back from work and check the door again, even though I'm home. Mm -hmm. And I'm like,
1: I've done that this Funny is not thing. normal,
0: you know, like yeah, um, so it's just interesting to think about like kind of where the line is, um it is, and it's and how you ha- no, yeah, and just like how you kind of have to seek it out, you know to you do. figure it out
1: I think it I mean, I think it goes back to like everything as a spectrum, and what I had come to the understanding of at least is that, I mean, this may or may not be right. I'm not a therapist. It's Mm -hmm. just kind of what I've come to understanding is that people can have, you know, patterns and habits and things like that. But with OCD, it kind of goes back to like, why are you doing it? So it's like, oh, I like to, you know, take my straw and If I'm at a restaurant, take the straw and like twirl it this way. It's like, well, are you doing that because you just like to do that every time you get a straw? Or are you doing it because like my grandpa's gonna die if I don't do it this way? So it's usually like, why are you doing it? So, yeah, OCD. So, from what I've read, it's estimated that 2% of adults have it. And it's like, that's a lot. Mm -hmm. but it's also not a lot when we think of everybody, um, who just says, oh, I organized my spice store. Like I'm so OCD, like not Mm -hmm. everybody has it. If you have something to the point where it's like, this is affecting your life. Yes. Like go see a therapist, like talk to them about this, talk about other options. And like I did, I came and talked about OCD and we looked at other things, but, um, yeah, I think that's, That's another thing that I think is really important to touch on is just how we use these terms and that kind of just like our mental health, mental illness awareness as a society. That it's so common for people to say, like, oh, I organize my pantry like this like i am so ocd right only use blue pens like, i am so ocd we're like you are being so bipolar right now or i oh, they didn't have my drink at wherever today like my special drink i always get like i'm so depressed like we just take these words and we throw them around like if they don't mean anything and i used to be i will totally be honest that I used to be one of these people that when I would hear people get like offended um around it, I'm saying offended but it's it's not really that you know around things like that it's like oh like whatever it's harmless like there's just words but as I've you know learned more about this myself I've learned that, you know, no, these words have meaning and it's like really important. And it's not even just, I don't get offended when somebody says to me now, like (laughs) I still see it like everywhere all the time. People are like, oh, I'm so OCD. I'm going to edit this blog post like OCD. You know, I don't get offended by that, but it makes me sad that there is that level of just an Ignorance is, it sounds like a mean word, Mm -hmm. but I mean, ignorance is, you know, just not knowing something and is just this level of just, you know, where we don't really know what this means and we just throw it around. And that's what holds people back from getting diagnosed, like understanding these signs of themselves, taking it to a therapist, doing their own research. And it keeps people from wanting to talk about it because. It, I don't know, like, list, I don't know how listeners are going to, do, I didn't know how people reading my blog were going to perceive, like, all of these things that I was saying of, like, I had this pattern and that pattern, and I just didn't know how people were going to take it because we have this idea about OCD and, like, mental illness and mental health that is just like, oh, it's just like these words that you throw around and you laugh at it. Like, I was like, are people going to believe me that this is like this really debilitating and hard thing for me? Um, are they going to believe that I have it? Are they going to think that it's just, I'm making it up? Or are they going to think, like people will say with OCD, like, oh, that's cute. Like there will be, you know, like when I got had Hashimoto's and it was little more like hyperthyroid and I was losing weight, people be like, oh, I wish I had that. I wish I could lose weight. You know, people just don't take seriously that it's like, these are actual illnesses and the way that we define them has meaning. And it's nothing about like being offended and being a snowflake or whatever. It's about being like, no, like this is literally just like a term that we need to understand and just respect because the longer that we keep just misusing these terms, the more that we're just going, there's going to be a stigma around mental health and people don't, go like I didn't want to go to a therapist in college like before my mom told me like no you need to go because I was afraid that I was going to go there and like they were just gonna everybody around me would just gonna be like oh you go to a therapist like you have a mental illness like there was just this stigma of like this is a bad thing this is bad I am bad and the only way that we cure that that we remedy that is just understanding Mm -hmm. and it's like if we can, if I can be like a normal person, a quote, I mean, normal person is so hard. If I could be like, quote unquote, normal person that just like walks down the street and does whatever, having Hashimoto's, like, why can't I be that way as somebody with obsessive compulsive disorder? Like, why can't people understand that? And I think it's, you know, I think it's something that we all have, um, you know, just like, it's all of our own duty and job to just carry that out of if you've ever used the term, like I'm so CD of this, I've, I I've make you a bad person. Like I've used that. I have for sure misused mental health terms, health terms. I've for sure done it. I've been that, you know, I've, I've done like ignorant things like that. Um, was I doing it to be malicious? No. Are most people doing it to be malicious? No. Like it's just something that we throw around, but I think that after like you have that level of awareness, whether it be from me sharing my story, somebody else sharing their story, um, wherever you do have it, just kind of taking that and being like, okay, like, I'm not, I'm not going to say that anymore. And, you know, maybe if you see somebody around you, like a friend or something, be like, actually, like, I probably wouldn't use that word for that. Like, Mm -hmm. I, I know people who have that. And it's actually, it's really not that. Mm -hmm. And it's not about being overly offended. It's about just using the right word for the right things. Um, so, and I think it's just so important. Like I don't have kids yet, but I know that when I do that it's, I'm definitely going to teach them about like, what does OCD really mean? What does bipolar really mean? What does depression really mean? Like, what are these things and how can you be sensitive to them and support people that you know that have them? Like, so they don't have to feel like isolated and like they have to hide it. Like, I felt like I could never come out to any friends and tell them that I was dealing with these things because like, well, they don't, they don't know anything about it. And they're just going to think I'm, you know, just a bad person and not want to deal with me. And so, and I mean, it's not me being like, oh, self-righteous, like I'm going to teach my children. Right. Like that's me, you know, just like. I'm I'm learning. I'm, I'm sure I'll screw up my kids in plenty of other ways. But, um, yeah, I just urge people to uh, take that and just kind of run with it, that it's one very small thing that you can do, even if you don't have a mental illness or mental health story, to just help pull down that stigma.
0: Yeah, and I think it's a really important point. Like, it's not about getting offended, but the issue is, like, it diminishes the diagnosis. Like, exactly. I think that... And now people, and I see this with mental health and even things with physical health, where it's like people will say, Oh, well, I have this. And to them, it's like, you know, it's something that's really affecting their life and it's really hard. Yep. And but because the terms are thrown around, people hear them like, Oh, whatever. And they mm-hmm. people don't have compassion, you know, it's like people will now be like, If you say, like, Oh, I have depression. Everyone's like, whatever. Everyone has depression. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. It, it diminishes it, or like, I have anxiety, or I have OCD, and people just kind of, you know, shrug it off when they mm-hmm. they're not taking the time to really understand how it can severely be impacting somebody's life. Um, mm-hmm. And especially with the mental illness, because it's easier for us to understand with a physical illness. Like, if somebody has ms right and they can barely like move physically it kind of forces us to have more compassion but with a mental illness like you can't see what like the chains that someone is tied to in their own head you know like you can't see that and understand that and a lot of people who have mental illness are really good at just like putting up an okay front so you would never know yeah you know yeah
1: nobody knew me with me like at all Mm -hmm. like my yeah and it just becomes yeah this level and you feel like this level of normal of like well this is just how I am so but yeah I think that's so important to just have that empathy for people to know that it's like even if even if like I'm a person with you know OCD and somebody who has had panic attacks um and there's somebody with me somebody that I meet one day who has OCD and like they have had to do inpatient treatment or like I haven't had to be on medication for it and like maybe they do like maybe they are at that level you know I just have to exercise that level of like empathy and understanding that it's like they're not experiencing this the same way that I am like Mm -hmm. everybody's on a spectrum with everything in life and just because like I have this level of OCD um I had that issue a lot with Hashimoto's when I would tell people like, Oh, I have Hashimoto's and you know, it's, and I was like looking for empathy when I said that I'm like, you know, like, Hey, like this is really affecting my life. And people will be like, Oh, I have that too. Like I just take a thyroid pill and I'm like, I'm fine. It's like, well, like you experience it differently than I do. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean I'm happy for you that you don't have, you know, these symptoms that I do, but I think that we all need to understand that with everybody that it's like, oh yeah, like my sister-in-law has OCD and she's okay. So therefore like everybody that has it, it's like they're okay, like they all experience it differently.
0: Mm-hmm. So I'm really glad that you bring that up. I think a lot of people can relate to that um, with a lot of their I know I can relate to it people are like whatever and I think also because so many health issues um, mental, physical, are kind of tied back to, like, stresses. And a lot of us to recover have, oh, yeah. to, have to kind of take a step back and reduce the things we're doing in our life or say no to more things. And because people diminish it, then you feel guilty for doing that and you feel like you can't stop or pull back on things or, like, take the time for yourself because you feel like you're not valid in it or, like, you're making a bigger deal out of it than you should um, when that's not the case. And that just goes back to, like, diminishing those terms because you don't know, like how someone's feeling in their body or their mind um so I definitely think that's really mm-hmm. important to touch on and I kind of want to talk about like getting diagnosed because I'm curious yeah.
1: treatment I, too I'd love to yeah
0: about. I want to talk about diagnosis and then treatment but like first of all the, the diagnosis like it's an interesting topic getting diagnosed with something because there's a lot of people who have this attitude where it's just like you know, well, if you know you have it, you have it. Like, a diagnosis Mm -hmm. doesn't matter. Um, Personally, I'm of the opinion, like, diagnoses do change things for me. Um, And I don't know if you felt the same or not, but I would just love for you to chat more about kind of, like, if slash how getting diagnosed changed things or, like, how that shifted your mindset. Like, kind of talk about getting diagnosed.
1: I love that question because I have formed an opinion on this that, I always try to share with people, especially when I was working with people one-on-one, is that a diagnosis is a blessing in disguise. Um, and for me, it was a huge blessing in disguise. It was so liberating to get the diagnose with, diagnosis of OCD because I was living with these symptoms and it had become, it was like all of these things that I didn't like about myself, there's, there's still more things that make me an imperfect human, trust me. But all of these things I didn't like about myself were related to that. Mm -hmm. And all of these things I was like, this makes me, you know, like annoying and a burden to people and not good in social situations. And, you know, these things, these things that make me panic and make me feel sad and upset. It's like, wait, this is all something that, you know, I have the ability to tap into and change about myself and the ability to go to treatment to work with a therapist and like talk through these things so every time there's a diagnosis I think that everybody always deserves that level of empathy whenever somebody comes to me saying like hey I was like just diagnosed with Hashimoto's like I'm always I always tell people you know I'm always empathetic to that of like like I'm sorry like I know how much it just is not fun to get that diagnosis and to get to deal with all of the things that are tied to that diagnosis. Um, you know, so having the intrusive thoughts, or if you have Hashimoto's, like having the heart palpitations and the um, the fatigue, like all of these things that are associated with that, that diagnosis are terrible. And I, I didn't like going through that, but actually getting that, um, like, okay, this is it. Like, this is what you have, getting a name for it gave me then I was like, if I have a name, there is an action plan to address this. So that is always like a diagnosis for me. Like I think of it as like, yes, this is a diagnosis is an answer. And behind that answer is an action plan. Mm
0: -hmm. I love that explanation because I feel the same way. And like, I think when I'm talking to people about it, you know, they don't understand why I'm like, kind of looking for a diagnosis because I'm like yeah because it's like validating that I'm not crazy in the sense of like just making this up in my head slash like what you said like I have a plan now because we have we have so much research now we have specialists in different things and like if I know if I can put a if I can put a name to this and I can go seek out better resources to help me versus just searching blind um and I think a lot of people, especially in this in the larger health space now we've become such people have become this is a t- like a tricky subject, but just like anti label right just anti label yeah, yeah. and like I mean just sometimes not, you need to yeah. it's, again it's a
1: spectrum <laughs>
0: mhm like,
1: but but yeah,
0: like so I'm sorry but for I'm just speaking for myself like for me personally, it's like I'm not afraid of a label like oh yeah no you know like a label helps me it doesn't it doesn't define me you know but it like helps it helps explain pieces of me um and it's an easy (laughs) way to portray to others like kind of this is this is what I'm going through this is how I think this is how I live my life like exactly it helps you
1: understand yeah Yeah. it doesn't have to be like now I am this thing and like that is all I am and that makes me sad that brings me down no it's liberating to Mm -hmm. have like I'm happy to tell people like yeah I have Hashimoto's yeah I have OCD Mm -hmm. yeah I've had all these gut issues and like yeah and all of those labels have empowered me so, everybody takes it differently. Again, that's another spectrum, but I agree with you there.
0: Yeah. So, I don't know. I just don't want people to be. I think sometimes people don't look for um, those concrete answers because, they're like, I don't want to label myself or, you know, mm-hmm. I'm like, well, you know, if, if that's actually a field, then that's totally fine. But, like, also, if you're just trying to not find a diagnosis because people around you are telling you not to ascribe to a label, but you actually feel like you, it would <laughs> help you to have an explanation then, like do that. Um, mm-hmm. but okay. So you got diagnosed. So let's talk more about treatment for OCD, um, yeah. different options, like what, maybe what you're planning, what you're doing. Um, yeah. So what I'm
1: doing is it's a form of cognitive behavioral therapy. So, uh, I mean, it's a couple of different forms of that. So that is basically just taking something and just Changing how you react to it, changing how you perceive it, retraining your brain, um, and the way that I've been doing it mostly, and again, I this is basically what my therapist has determined is good for me. So, I mean, if you you want to talk to your, if you are looking for a therapist. Um, to address OCD. These are things that you can bring up, but I'm sure that there are other treatment methods out there that I'm just unaware of. But so what I've been doing mostly is in different varying levels of exposure therapy. So we sat down towards the beginning of my therapy. And it's like, okay, like take the things that are just like really distressing to you, like things that you do every day or things that you do really frequently, things that are, you know, some sort of habit and like the distressing thing behind it. And like, let's rank them one to 10. So like my 10, like the most distressing was thinking about like going to bed or leaving the house without checking the like the alarm or the door or anything like that at all, um, and then there were lower things from there. You know, there was like the five and the seven and the six. So my therapist and I like we went through and like we really talked about like okay like this five like what does it mean like why am I thinking this why am I doing this all right now go home and for the next two weeks. Um, just take this and run with it. Like I'm not going to do this thing anymore. So I'd be exposing myself to the feeling of not checking the door, not checking the lock um, more than once. Or another uh, one was we had a, we have a security camera in my house and I was always checking. I was always looking at that when I wasn't home and I haven't looked at it in literally months. Like I don't even know if that thing works anymore. (laughs) So uh, yeah, it's, it was huge. So, and yeah, so we would go like kind of week to week and being like, okay, like, how does it make you feel like when you think about checking the security camera? Like, how does it make you feel when you think about not checking it? Like, what are you do? Like, are you, um, a lot of it I found I was like compensating in other ways. So it's like, Oh, I'm not gonna check the security camera. But that means like I'm just gonna I'm gonna get home like 30 minutes early so I can like see what's going on. I'm like, no, that's not fixing anything. <laughs> so there's a lot of that. Um and so I, I did it mostly that was the main thing of treatment that I did. Something else I did that which was really interesting because he said that this is and I mean I think for anybody just kind of like would think that this is really like weird. But it was, uh, so he called it scripting and basically I would take a scenario. So like my worst case scenario, like the thing that I would be like the most afraid of. And I would like write about it. Like I would write it, like I would write out my worst case scenario and like read it over and over and over and over. And that's really distressing. Like if you think about like the scariest thing or the most, just distressing, upsetting thing that you could think of, writing that down on paper, like, and reading it over and over, like, that'll freak you out. That'll get you upset. But I had one scenario where I wrote, um, I was always afraid, like, okay, my cat is in my care, and he's going to eat something and he's going to die and it's going to be my fault so like I I did that one time I wrote that out and I read it over and over and over and over and the whole time I'm doing that I'm like this is honestly just kind of distressing like this isn't helping and you know it's a lot of people will be like well that's negative self-talk like you have to say the positive things all the time you know and that's what he said he's like people will think that but it's like it'll help you when you actually get in that situation and I did like this, even just this past week, um, my husband woke up and he found an ornament broken and it was in like a million little pieces. And it was like that before I had done my um, exposure therapy, that would be the kind of thing that would make my OCD just set off. Like I would have cried, freaked out, told myself, I'm an idiot for getting this ornament that could break. How can I do this? The cat ate it. He's going to. It's my. I would probably take cat to the emergency vet canceled all of my plans for that day. Like being in full, complete panic attack mode that whole day. But that day it's like, I woke up and I looked at it at that, that bubbled up for a second of like, Oh my gosh, like I want, I want to do all these things. And then like, I, and then like, you know, two minutes later I was like, wait, like I'm just going to watch him like, see if he throws up or something. And if he doesn't, he's fine. And like, that was like a week ago and everything was fine. Um, and what equipped me to be able to do that was doing that scripting, Mm -hmm. like sitting there and like writing that out and like living in that moment. And obviously if you're, again, this is something that I did like with my therapist, with his, um, you know, guidance. Um, because if you are really fresh in there, I'm not a therapist. I'm not telling you to do this, but this is just kind of like what I did. Um, if you are not at the point I had to do therapy for a like a few months before I could get to that point where he was like, okay, you're ready to do this. And even then it was still really hard. But again, that's just something that you could bring up to a therapist. If you're like, Hey, you think that we could do this? You think that, and I, my therapist had to walk me through like, okay, like this is the kind of thing that we should be talking about. So, and it, in the beginning, it was like, just write a sentence. And then it worked out to like, write an entire story and read it like a 100 times. So it I've had to work up to that. But then it's like, I actually saw it working. And I was actually finding myself, you know, like, right before we got on this call, I had to go to the I had to go just run an errand. And I got in my car, I went to open my car door, and I didn't even lock it. I was like, I left my car door wide open like all night, and I wasn't freaked out about it. Mm-hmm. I was like, whatever, it's fine. Like, let me just get in it right. I was not like checking in the back to be like, you know, is Jason back there ready to kill me? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's like, it's fine. And that's because I did that exposure therapy, and that allowed me to just kind of like confront those situations. And by the time that they were happening again, um, it just affected me totally differently because through that exposure therapy, I was finding new ways to retrain my brain. Um, and honestly what made this a lot easier for me was being an NTP because I feel like so many of the ways that I was helping coach people myself through like, okay, like this is how we go from eating canola oil to avocado oil. Like a lot of those same like fears about around eating out, like a lot of this stuff. There's so much parallel with all kinds of health. So when my therapist started telling me these things, was telling me certain things, it's like I could even like hear myself telling it to clients, but like about food. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I got it. And it's like I immediately like went and ran with it. So. I think it's really it's encouraging to know that if you are listening to this podcast and you've been like a person who's like on a health journey and like you think it's time to maybe go on a mental health journey um I think I'm I'm really you know happy for you and positive for anybody you know I think anybody's going to have like a really positive experience because they're so interconnected.
0: Mhm. Yeah, and I mean just when you're talking about the exposure therapy and the scripting I mean those are techniques like that I took classes on in college. And again, I'm not a therapist, but like those are techniques that I would use with a lot of clients and I use yeah. myself overcoming orthorexia um, or just anything related to anxiety. So it's like with orthorexia, um, you have to eat what you're afraid of, right? Like, you know, or like with anything with anxiety, like I will have people write out the exact situation that they're nervous about or that they're afraid of. And then we have them write it down, look at it. And then I'm like, okay, so then what do you do next? So like not only are they more comfortable with the situation, but also like – this is what you would do if it came to that. And then they have an escape exactly. plan and it makes them feel more safe if that ever did happen. And usually it doesn't actually happen, right? The worst case scenario, like, you have them write down, like, what is the worst case scenario? And they write it down and then just seeing it on paper and then, like, having already figured out what they would do if that happened helps people feel um, calmer. But, I mean, I think that all of these, these are all so interrelated. And I think those are really, really sure. powerful techniques, um, definitely. So, so that's pretty incredible that you're already seeing such like great results, right? How long have you been doing it? Um, I think since July.
1: So it's been about six months.
0: Okay. So So what, what kind of like made you decide to finally share it publicly? How did you know it was time?
1: Um, so it's interesting. I told my therapist about, I was like, I was thinking, like, oh, will I, will I say anything, like, to my therapist about sharing it publicly? And he brought it up himself. He was, like, you know, I because he, he knows what I do. And he's, like, I get excited about, you know, thinking about you sharing this publicly because I think that, you know, you're in this space where people um, are receptive to, like, hearing about health changes and, like, positive ones. And I was, like, okay, cool, he's on board. But I felt like – I, my mission with Unbound Wellness is, um, I mean, making cookies for sure. <laughs> but my mission is just kind of like taking these things that we we deal with. So like chronic illness, mental health, and all of that, and making it, you know, easier, making it fun to deal with, and just not, um, you know, taking it and like burying it and like running away and hiding from it. And educating and you know letting people know like hey it's gonna be okay and like I just felt like I felt like I had a lot anybody anybody has a lot to lose talking about mental health in today's day and age and that sucks like that's really sad that people have so much to lose of people being like oh like you're t- like there's this stigma that we have a lot to lose and like that sucks and i knew i was like i have a lot to lose like if people think like oh like we don't like you anymore um after we've heard this about you but i was like but i don't care like to me it's way more important to do whatever i can to open the conversation to like share my voice and help give more people a voice to Share theirs too because I think that we all, you know, have a mission to do that. And to me, it's, it was just really important um, to share. And I had to share it at the right time. Like, it was hard to share. Like, I was like, I can't share this in the beginning. And I had to ask people kind of like when I, I wrote that in the blog post and in the Instagram post, I was like, please just be aware that, like, I am going on, like, getting treatment and I'm not necessarily sharing this like, Oh, like please everybody give me advice. Cause that's really overwhelming. Um, having, you know, tens of thousands of people, hundreds of, like so many people being like, have you tried this? Have you tried that? Like, it's really overwhelming to get that and it's really overwhelming to talk about something that you don't, you still don't really have like a grasp yourself. So I just kind of waited, um, until I felt like it was right and I did and it was amazing. I had, Two, I think maybe even three, I screenshotted their messages. I screenshotted so many messages that day when I did share. And I had two people tell me that they were like, they said like, I was praying that you would share this news today because like, I have somebody in my family that's going through this right now. And like, I needed to hear, you know, from somebody that it's going to be okay, or I'm going through this right now. I needed to hear from somebody like multiple people told me that this was just like, God's timing it, was just like so perfect to hear about it and you know that's that's kind of just like what I do I just like share as I feel led so it was important for me
0: yeah it's definitely it's a it's a tricky line because I think that's what's something that people don't really fully understand it's like when you have a public platform and you share something about your life you whether or not like you even if you don't ask for it you get everybody's opinion um and it's super Judgements. overwhelming yeah it's like yeah. especially when you're dealing with something where it's like you yourself just only you knowing you're overwhelmed right and then you're yeah. getting everybody oh, yeah. else's input and you're like please like i can't even handle my I own can. my yeah. own thoughts like yeah, I, you yeah. know and it's like i think you know everybody well most people are coming from a positive place that they're trying to be oh, yeah most people are trying Have to you be tried helpful. this or that you know and like but it just it's too much noise in our heads right to it get really it is. To get it clear but I mean kind of going off of that so like if somebody listening to this knows somebody who has OCD um what would you say to them like like how could they show support like like what would you say to them to support that person that's hard because
1: for me for me the thing that I feel like has been um it just like people have been really supportive of me is just asking questions of like, Hey, tell me more about this. Like people actually genuinely being like, so like, so it, can you explain that to me a little bit more? Like me being able to like, you know, educate them. On it. Anybody is going through some sort of trauma or some sort of hard time, like just validating how they're feeling, being like, I'm sorry that this is going on. And like, I want to understand what you're going through. Some people that may just be me, like other people may not want to talk about it and be like, I don't want to talk about it. I just want to get together, like go to the mall and like, let's just not talk about like, that's fine if some people take it that way. But I I think for me, and I think like a lot of other people that I've known that have had chronic illnesses, it's been helpful you know, just to be able to be heard and just be understood. So just trying to understand them, like even doing um, your own research. So I have a friend who, is, I mean, it's amazing. She's already on the road to recovery and it's already cancer free. But I have a very close friend who was diagnosed with cancer this past year. And, um, you know, the way that I was there for her, like the first thing that I tried to do was like, I'm going to look up like watch YouTube videos um, like of people who have gone through this and like try to understand like, what is she going through? So um, I think that that's a really good place to start just understanding what they're going through.
0: Yeah. I love that advice. The the other thing I just wanted to touch on before we wrap up is, you know, you mentioned about like getting to the, to the root um, Mm -hmm. of those thought patterns. Do you feel like you figured out kind of what the root of that is? Like I think people, are wondering what exactly that means. Does that just mean like, yeah, a, you know, a thought pattern you created when you're younger? Or is it like a deeper emotional issue? Or like, kind of what does that mean? Getting to the root of it?
1: So I think it
0: different for everybody. But
1: for me, kind of like the root cause of a lot of my stuff has either been like, okay, like, this is literally just like the way that my brain is wired, and I had to retrain it. But something that's really interesting that I've um, noticed is a lot of my stuff is tied to past traumas and trauma is like a really big spectrum, Mm -hmm. like something that could not, that other people, like some people have been through like unspeakable traumas that are like so traumatic. And then other people have been through things that it's like, when you compare it, it's like, that's not traumatic, but traumatic is trauma is a spectrum. Mm -hmm. So my therapist explained to me that it's like, when you have he's like a panic attack is like a trauma. Mm-hmm. So like basically everything that I had ever had a panic attack around had then somehow turned into an obsession and a compulsion. Um, every certain like social situations of time wars where I really was in social situations and did hurt somebody's feelings or get embarrassed. In- or whatever, like that turned into an obsession and a compulsion or like the car accident. Like it's traumatic to see like a car accident where it's like, oh my gosh, like, are these people okay? Like mm-hmm. this person could walk away from this car accident and never be the same. Like that's traumatic. Um, so again, it's, it's a huge spectrum, but that's, I learned that myself, learned that about myself. And a lot of that was kind of going back to those traumas and like working through, them and so
0: okay yeah do you feel uh, like do you wonder if this the OCD like the undiagnosed OCD affected your other health concerns over the years like do you ever wonder if there's any interplay between that
1: Uh, I don't know like it's all connected like I'm I don't I'm not I don't think that I can say like like OCD and Hashimoto is like are connected in this very specific way, but they're all connected as in like, you know, health is all connected and it's all one big thing that's connected to each other. And, um, for me, I, uh, I know that the gut as a huge thing for me, it always has been. And, uh, I, I talked about this in the blog post. I don't want to get too deep into it because I haven't, I still haven't, gotten all the answers myself I still haven't gone to a um like the doctor that my doctor the specialist that my doctor referred me to I haven't gotten to get an appointment but basically I got a stool test recently from my doctor and she determined that I had strep in my gut and I did some research on that And my doctor confirmed it and my therapist confirmed it that like, yeah, that specific marker is tied to, it's tied to pandas. It's tied to OCD. So it is tied like what goes on in our gut is 100% tied to what goes on with our health, what goes Mm -hmm. on with our mental health. So I know that that was a big thing for sure. So I'm still learning more about that. And my, my doctor is like, we'll send you to this specialist who will do like a scan to figure out like where the strep actually is like it's this whole other thing mm-hmm. but there's been more that I've been doing to help my gut and um I'm sure that you can put like the blog post in the show notes because it's yeah. like a whole other like we could go into like mental health and the gut and, yeah. like, a whole, and what to do about the gut like that's a oh. whole other thing I'm sure you've talked about the gut yeah. like so you're blue in the face <laughs> but, um yeah so mental health gut health yes there's a link
0: yeah and it's like this huge cycle as well because right we see like gut health issues causing you know affecting the mental health but also when you're stressed out something's going on in your head like then that's also making your gut worse right so it's like this huge cycle but that's definitely interesting so I'll link to that um blog post for sure in the show notes so people can read it because I'm sure you spent a lot of (laughs) time writing all that out for everyone um Great. Well, thank you so much for sharing all this. I do you have any like final wrap-up thoughts, anything you wanted to just say around this issue in general that we didn't cover?
1: No, I'm sure I said a lot that I wanted to say. I'm sure I didn't say something that I really did want to say, but <laughs> like I said, I just ask for grace mm-hmm. with learning how to talk about this best. And I'm only sharing like my journey that I'm currently going through. I'm not at all like a spokesperson for OCD mental illness, whatnot. I'm just another regular person who's going through this. So if I didn't say something that, um, people really wish I did say, or like, honestly shoot me like a DM or an email on Instagram, be like, Hey, what do you think about this? Like I would love to, I'd love to start doing more mental health blog posts more. I definitely have more content and things, um, that I'm planning. So if you have any questions or requests, Um, any notes, anything like that, um, that you'd like to hear more about, please just let me know.
0: Yeah. Well, I think you've done an incredible job. Don't put too much pressure on yourself cuz it's just one Thanks. podcast. <laughs> this is one podcast and like this topic is something you could write books about, right? Or like you yeah. could talk about for like people textbooks. study this, right? <laughs> like people yeah, like this yeah. is their life's work. So definitely don't feel pressure to cover it all in one one yeah. post or one podcast, but again, I just really appreciate you sharing this because I know it's especially hard sharing things when you're like currently working through it, you know it's really vulnerable. Yeah. Um so I really appreciate you like speaking up about it and coming on and sharing all this. If people want to get in touch with you, um can you just remind everybody all the places they can find you?
1: Yeah, so unboundwellness.com is my website. Um, I try to be as best I can about just like following up with comments. I still have more comments to follow up with on my blog post about this. The the response was overwhelming and it was so amazing. So thank you again. Um, but so there, then there's a contact page on my blogs where you can email me. Mm -hmm. Um, that is another good way. And then on Instagram, I am unbound wellness and I also try to be, um, as good as I can about following up with comments and messages, but I think you can relate that it can be hard to stay on top of it a hundred percent of the time. But if you really have a question, like, please just, just poke me and I will hopefully get back to you in the best
0: manner yeah. possible <laughs> you do a great job don't Thanks. worry but yeah everyone and also go to the website anyways because she has delicious recipes I was just I mean as we we're recording this is the holiday season and in my um my group program Facebook group ever I always ask what they're making and so many of them like link to the recipes on your blog. They're like, I've been making oh, really? this. Yeah. People oh, thank love you. your recipes, oh, um, whether so. or not you're AIP, like they're amazing. So that's
1: what I try to do.
0: I try it. Like my recipe tester is my
1: husband. Who's like Mr. Cheese and nightshades. So it's like, <gasps> if he likes it, then we're good. Like I try to make it to where it's anybody can
0: like it, you know? Yeah. You do a good job. Next time I see him, I'm going to call him Mr. Cheese and Nightshades. (laughs) We'll see if he responds. He's going to be like, "Oh." oh my gosh. I love it. All right. Well, thank you again. This has been amazing.
1: Thank you for giving me the space and the, you know, the friendship
0: and everything to be able to share. You'll be back. Huge thank you to Michelle for coming on the podcast and sharing such a personal experience with us. I really, really appreciate that from her. And again, I just really admire the grace with which she has navigated this new diagnosis and new part of her health story. I would love it if you let me know what you thought about this episode. Reach out to Michelle and let her know what you thought. You can find her at Unbound wellness.com and on instagram at unbound wellness make sure you check out all of her delicious recipes and her awesome blog posts and of course make sure you join the facebook group wellness realness podcast tribe if you want to connect with other listeners and talk more about what you heard on the episodes And if you love this show, please, please, please share it. I love it when you share it on social media. Leave a rating and a review on iTunes if you have not already. I cannot tell you how much that means to me. And it only takes a second. It's totally free and helps other people find out about the podcast. And, of course, make sure you subscribe so you never miss a new podcast episode. Remember that Michelle and I both are not mental health professionals so if you are looking for guidance with something that you are struggling with in terms of your mental health make sure you reach out to a licensed therapist or a psychiatrist or some type of mental health professional who will really be able to focus on you and help you on your way. So I hope you have an awesome day. Sending lots of love to you and so many good vibes for 2019. And I will talk to you again next episode. Bye.